Welcome to Central American Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today, we're with Vesis Flores Aldivar, another writer and author of Rain Revolutions. Uh, welcome again, <laughs> Bessie. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you again on the show. It's been, what, like over a year, right? Since the last time we yeah, spoke. Yeah, it's been one year and a couple months, but I love yeah. being back here. I love this podcast. I love chatting with you, Ale. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, so one of the things that I kind of just to get like a little update to everyone How has everything been since our last episode? I know you were in Honduras last time, and Tegus, then you moved here, and then you went back, and you're kind of like all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this time I'm in Virginia. I'm in Blacksburg, Virginia, because I'm an MFA student at Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So um, last time I was about to start my second year in the master's program. This time I'm already in my third and last year here at Virginia Tech. Uh, yeah, graduation is so close this may uh and last time i didn't have a book and now i have a book yay <laughs> and we're gonna talk all about the book um again i told you before and i probably already texted you um that the book is amazing so we're gonna go and all the stories behind it and how kind of how what inspired you and all that um yeah how does like rain revolution came to life like What was the idea, the writing process, the publishing, and all that? Kind of like behind. I was the, the behind the this scenes. Beautiful, this beautiful book. <laughs> I think that something that's so interesting about this book is that I didn't know I was writing it until until the very end, I think. So um, the book is made up of mm -hmm. three short stories, and I wrote them all between the ages of maybe 19 to 21, 22. I but I didn't write them for the book. I was just writing short stories, and I've always mm -hmm. been fascinated, obviously, by Honduran history, specifically mm -hmm. the Honduran history that's not taught in in the, in the classroom. Like mm -hmm. um, one of the stories deals with uh, the you know the burning of the American embassy, mm -hmm. which happened after uh, Mata Ballesteros was kidnapped mm -hmm. by American forces. I never learned about any of that in school. Yeah. Ever. Um, I learned about that through my grandparents. And then I never heard about the United Fruit Company protests against the United Fruit mm -hmm. Company. I also had to learn about that through my great grandparents. Um, history that's uh, that has been like sort of hidden in so many mm -hmm. ways. So um, I had to do my own research to sort of get through all to all the stories. And then I wrote the first story and I didn't know I was going to be a part of this book. And then I wrote the second story and I didn't know I was going to be a part of this book. And then I was in the middle of writing the last story, which is the, the last story I wrote is the middle story, the one that takes mm -hmm. place in 1980, 1988, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's when I was like, oh, like, damn, like I have three short stories that all are very rooted in specific years in Honduras, like, mm -hmm. th these are not stories that could be happening at any time. These are stories that, like, depend directly on their historical and cultural context. Like, mm -hmm. even the 2019 story, I think, is rooted specifically in 2019. Like, it needs to exist yeah. in 2019 only. And I was like, I have these three short stories rooted in very specific moments of Honduran history. I, I kind of have something here. Mm -hmm. And so I just put them together and I was like, and there's so much more tying them 
all of the stories deal in some sort of way with protest. Mm-hmm. All of the stories deal in some sort of way with like uh, elements of nature. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of rain throughout right. the book. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fire throughout the book. And so it is a book that I didn't know I was writing until I was done writing it. Wow. I think that like that is so crazy and amazing to know because it's like, I mean, from the work that I have seen for me, you know, the, po- the poems that you post on your social media, the things that you write, um, it's all based, you know, on culture, Honduras, and like mm-hmm. the situation. But knowing that you were writing something that you didn't know, it was kind of being an end product that is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I also think it's crazy. Like, and it's so funny because you asked me when and how did it happen and it was last summer it was when we recorded the first episode together oh really yeah it was finalizing the last story i think this book has been finished since like august of 2020 so it was right Mm -hmm. when i first came into the podcast like when i when i recorded that first episode with you all yeah because that that was like i asked you before we started like i didn't know you were writing a, a book (laughs) <laughs> you came first to the podcast i didn't know you were writing but when you started like i think i po- you posted it on on instagram i was like a ver Bessie, dime desde cuando. <laughs> yeah no i mean but yeah it's it's new it's a baby oh this is your first baby of money that you're gonna have for sure uh primero dios uh it's gonna be a lot um but yeah um so this book um, is Rain Revolution. Like you said, it has a lot of fire. I have a lot of rain and I have a lot of sequias. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, uh, like, yes. And, and then, like in those stories that I, um, you know, we're going to go poquito entre todos porque no le vamos a hacer spoiler a nadie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but but um, it was like very interesting because, and probably you can laugh at me because mm-hmm. I was reading the story, the middle story. Mm-hmm. And can you not? I thought you were the main character. I was in my head. ¿Qué hace Bessie en la embajada? ¿Qué hace Bessie aquí? I was like, in my head, I was like, no, this cannot be her. I was like, is this, is this about like the two, like when, when it first got burned or the second time it got burned? That's so funny. Um, I think that's such an such an interesting thing for you to say because when I I was reading the middle story the other day, and it's the only story in the book that's in first person mm-hmm. uh, that has a first person narrator, and I also think it sounds a lot like me. Like she sounds a lot like me. I yeah. also thought that. Yes. Um, it is obviously not me because I was born ten years, nine years <laughs> after the events in the book. Yeah. But um, I do think that narrator sounds a lot like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like when like, your mom and I remember last time we were talking about your mom. But then I was like, what? Did she says she had a brother. She didn't have a brother. I was like trying to put <laughs> that in my mind. <laughs> but it, like, and then yeah. because of how how is in first person, and because. I picture that you were there. I was worried the entire story. I was like, please run That's faster. So funny. Please tell me they didn't get a picture. Please, you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. worried. Like I was invested, like while reading it. And I was like, oh my God. I'm Tom. so glad. I mean, that means I really got you. It's not me. It's totally fiction, but the, the that character's <laughs> voice does sound a lot like me. I, I yeah. understand. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I mean that—that that is really good. Um, because mm-hmm. again, 
this story takes place in 1988. So it does, it does. you know, so that should have told me that it wasn't you. But again, <laughs> I didn't know which, which one of the Bernies <laughs> was. Um, but then that story kind of made me cry when really? I found out when who the person was. Do you know you have a section? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, yes. That final section. That's very and important. And yeah. from what the mother mom said mm-hmm. and i was yes. like no yes <laughs> no yeah you why? caught that yeah mm-hmm. i was like no why yeah yeah that's right so the yes not to spoil anything but yes yeah. the, the, the person the mother's talking about in the beginning is the person in that note mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that that one did hit like hard mm-hmm. i was like damn yeah. she got me she got me there she got me in her whole roller coaster thinking that it was her <laughs> oh my god but yeah I was like uh, let me tell Bessie that I honestly thought that it was her the whole time I'm so glad you did I'm so glad you told me (laughs) you probably have a lot of people thinking it was you and questioning why you were doing there (laughs) (laughs) yeah because um, just to have like a fun note I mean it's not fun but like you know how you were always so outspoken about the situation on Honduras. So like right. for me, it just makes sense that it was you, you know. And then my mom has always told me like, si vos estuvieras en Honduras, pues ya estuvieras muerta. That's how my yeah. mom told me. Because yeah. even though like while I was reading, I thought it was you. I, I felt as well that if I was there, it could be, it yeah. could be me, you know. Yeah, I think that, that that's very important for me that like, a reader who is from Honduras and knows about the situation in Honduras and like mm-hmm. is aware of what's going on, um, and you know, hopefully shares the same position regarding the government. I think she mm-hmm. would be able to put themselves uh, in that, like as the main character, would be able to to envision themselves mm-hmm. doing m- making the same decisions. Uh, and having that same resistance from like parents and yeah. caretakers that the mom exhibits in that story. Exactly. Yeah. Because I felt like, like you said, um, in the beginning, like she's kind of like, well, the mom is, of course, saying, like, I don't want you guys to do that. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it works. I don't want it to be you. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be you, like my, you know, like my dad or something like that. I think that's what she mm-hmm. said. And I mean, I question, like, what the fuck that did. <laughs> Uh, but um, I felt like if we kind of like think about our moms and our parents and people who are older than us, there mm-hmm. we have always heard like they have los ellos que vayan, vos no, you know, exactly. Like it's, a, yeah, it's always like how we, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like esa es la mentalidad, mm-hmm. like. Dejarlos ellos que vayan, vos no, vos quédate en la casa, porque te puede pasar algo, mm-hmm. you know, like, que ellos protesten, vos no. But, like, we have a mentality, like, no, like, we have to go and, like, of protest, course, of you course. know, or rights and all that. But I I feel like it was very, like, the the character of the mom saying how, like, her stand and stuff like that and her worries, I feel like that's how, mostly, if I'm going to generalize it, uh, yeah. parents are in Honduras. I think you're right. I think mm-hmm. you're right. See, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, well, we we already started talking about, it, but like you know, um, mm-hmm. 
let's break down a little bit of the stories. I mean, again, it's not like no les quiero decir lo que tiene fresca. I want you guys to read it. <laughs> I want people <laughs> to read it. But um, the first one, the first story, I mean, laughing mm-hmm. so hard. Good. I already told you why. Um, Good. Yes. We're like, you know, this story takes place in Tegu. Like, and by the way, yo, cuando viví en, en Honduras, Tegucigalpa, pues todo mm-hmm. el mundo sabe que soy Tegu. Yo vivía en Villa Vieja, mm-hmm. so yo sé dónde quedan los pinos. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm so glad. Um, yeah, okay, so three short stories. The first one, which Alejandra laughed so much at, is in 2019. Um, it's during, so, en el 2019 hubo una super mega sequía, so there was a big drought of water, um, which, like, kind of takes place every year, but I think in 2019 it was pretty bad. Um And so it's right around that time where, like, people really wanted to rain, but it has to rain in a way mm-hmm. that, like, the dams get full, mm-hmm. and so everyone gets water. Um, and I think that the the other important historical, cultural context for that story is that 2019 is two years after 2017, which is mm-hmm. when the electoral crisis took place. So a lot yeah. of that is still going on. It's still going on today, of course. Mm-hmm. But there's that big... Um, anti-government fuera whole sentiment mm-hmm. that the story exists in. And then the second story, which we talked about a little bit, is in 1988, mm-hmm. April of 1988 specifically, and it's taking place two days after uh, Juan Mata Ballesteros, mm-hmm. who, is, who was a very recognized drug lord in Honduras, but very beloved to You know, mm-hmm. he was known for building ho- for building schools, building hospitals, feeding people. Of course, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he was trafficking cocaine into the United States. But I don't know. He was very beloved, generally mm-hmm. speaking. And he is arrested or ra- rather kidnapped during a morning run by American soldiers. At that mm-hmm. point, Honduras and the United States did not have an extradition deal. Mm-hmm. So that was legal. So when they capture him, they take him to Dominican Republic, and then uh, the American forces say that that's where they captured him, which is a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. But they have to say that to make it legal, because DR does, DR does have that deal with the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so the people are protesting that, and then they burned down the they burned down the American embassy. Uh, it, it was a big deal. Uh, the American embassy burned for over three hours. Uh, there were more mm-hmm. than 200 students involved in this, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was 100. But it was a big deal. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the third story takes place in 1954, which is when um, the protests against the United Fruit Company took place. Mm-hmm. And it's also at the same time that there was this big flood Flood, yeah, this big flood and that um, was like massive, mm-hmm. not a hurricane, but a big flood. So the protests are happening at the same time as this big storm and that's mm-hmm. all the all, all the flooding going on in North of Honduras. This is the only story that doesn't take place in Tegucigalpa. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, all three short stories are very much based in Honduran history, are very much attached to things that happen in real life. And stick very closely to mm-hmm. ideas of anti-imperialism, anti-colonialism, and anti-government. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And then mm-hmm. I feel like if 
I, for me, it's very interesting that you started the story with the first one with the same sentiment that, you know, we still have today. Um, yeah. I feel like yeah, for sure. if, if you're not a Honduran and you're just mm -hmm. someone who knows a little bit, you will feel that sentiment, how Hondurans feel yeah. about... I'm not going to mention him, but the president. <laughs> yes, about him. <laughs> about him. Um, and I feel like one of the things that I kind of wanted to point out is kind of like um, the question of, um, you know, it was a drought, you know, in Honduras during that time. And how, you know, Honduras is a very tropical place where like it rains here and there, but obviously no you have a the sea. And the mm -hmm. right places where people can right later yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. have water. And for me, I feel like at that end, kind of like seeing that how ironic it is of the celebration of them in El Centro. Yes. I was just right. like, it just, it, it just, como se llama, como volverte a revivir the same sentiment of like, they don't give a damn. <laughs> Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. The story really works in yeah. irony. The fact that there's no water, but there's this big fountain being inaugurated mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like how you like, I mean, you're reading and you feel like the kids and everybody going to you know, like, like wash themselves mm -hmm. there and stuff like that. And then how irony that like other places in Tegos not tienen agua. Yeah, so I think that, like, it, you put in perspective how kind of, like, I mean, I, I, when I talk about class, I don't like to divide it, but let's put it in perspective of, like, how class in Honduras is. You Works know what I mean? Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I, <coughs> I don't know if I can speak to all of Honduras, but I can mm -hmm. definitely speak to Teus, because I think that Teus is a very particular example. You know, it's yeah. one of two big cities. And, I think you see what you see in a lot of like countries that we call third world countries and so mm -hmm. on, where you have like the extreme poverty mm -hmm. next to like the extremely rich. Yep. And then there's a bunch of people who like really want to call themselves middle class, but you know, middle class is a lie. Middle class is a, it's a story we've sold mm -hmm. to each other. Yeah. Um, and Teus is like that. Like you'll have, you know, it's, it's where the American embassy is. It's mm -hmm. where the American school is. You yep. have this, um the sons and daughters and children of very rich people. uh very rich people yes mm -hmm. and you also have a lot of people who are involved in money laundering and mm -hmm. who work for the government who make an in <laughs> an imaginable amount of money mm -hmm. and maybe don't even need to go to work at all maybe don't even show up to work at all because that's very common to have a lot mm -hmm. of like fake positions in the government so i yeah. think that Deus, it's just so particular because you really do have extreme poverty like by the UN mm -hmm. um, by the UN's definition you know people who are living with less than a dollar a year a day less mm -hmm. than a dollar a day um, and then people who are <laughs> absurdly rich mm -hmm. so I think the story really lives in that moment where yeah. you know we're following the life of this woman who doesn't have water to clean herself who doesn't have hasn't had any water in weeks Mm -hmm. hasn't had any water to just you know for basic hygiene stuff mm -hmm. and she's at this event where a big fountain is being inaugurated by the president even though the yeah. whole country is suffering from the water drought so exactly. i think that um yeah class works in extremes in Tegucigalpa. yeah oh yeah definitely and i feel like if you don't what's it called 
if you haven't been to Tegos or you don't know Tegos mm-hmm. or like how everything works, that story will like give you a clear idea how it is, you know, like yeah. <laughs> how like Los Vendedores and stuff like that, because um, oh, yeah. it's, it's really sad. Like, it, it, like just how you put it, you know, like people in Tegucigalpa, you legit see like the whole contrast in one city. Like you can be de este lado viendo un edificio del otro lado, viendo un montón de casitas pequeñas. And that's yeah. how, and that's, that's the capital. Donde los que tienen dinero, pues, you know, they live on all well off. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. Um, and then the second one, the one that I thought it was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that still takes place in Honduras. And yeah. Tegus. Tegus. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. And that one takes place. Um, mira, te voy a decir. Yo no sé dónde ellos vivían, pero it was Salida a Santa Lucia. Uh, no, pero Salida a Santa Lucia okay. is mentioned in the story. Yes, I know why you think that. Yeah. Pero no, no, no. Nunca digo dónde viven, pero la historia. The story takes place like. And the, the Embajada Americana mm-hmm. está cerca de downtown Tegucigalpa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I also mentioned the university, La Una, which mm-hmm. is also close to downtown. So it's like yeah. very much happening in Central mm-hmm. Teus. The whole story is happening in Central yeah. Teus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then how, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, La Embajada and how, you know, after they go, they have to lie to, you know, their, their mom, mom. And yeah. then they have to go and then they go to this protest and then there's a whole little mezcla que te vengas para acá, que te vengas para allá, que te vengas para allá, que los platos. There's a tapa de queda. What's very interesting is that um, that story is based a lot on research. Um, mm-hmm. And even the part of, like, la, que lavan los platos, that's, I got that from a newspaper clip. Or really? from, uh, from an interview. Yeah, I got that. I was reading about, um, I was reading about, the burning of the embassy in 1988 and i was reading about what people like i think it was like an article commemorating i don't know how many mm-hmm. years since it and it was interviewing people who were there and someone was saying that that they, when the when you know the protest broke out and the american embassy burned for a little while mm-hmm. uh, how one how when they ran away because of the military coming in they mm-hmm. went to downtown and some places downtown let them come in and pretend to be washing dishes or whatever mm-hmm. so they could hide from the soldiers yeah and then and then i feel like it, it very ties out because at the beginning it kind of says you know like burning an embassy especially the united states embassy you know exactly you just know it like by just being there even if you claro. didn't tirarte nada by just being there you're like ya tienes Te vas, sí. Ya tienes el lazo aquí en la... En, mm-hmm. en, el, en el cuello. <laughs> um, Correcto. And I felt like, you know, the whole sentiment of like, no, I'm, I'm not going to say lying, but, you know, kind of covering it to the mom, the whole right. story that you tell. And then like the movement had to hide for them. And then how like, oh, that they asked for one friend ID and then they had pictures and all that. I felt like mm-hmm. that's... Again, and because it's, that's the fir- the only story that is written in first person, mm-hmm. you can put yourself in all of that and think like, oh my God, they took my pictures. Um, and that is a very 
um, what's it called, vivid sentiment to those who are in the en los, ¿cómo se llama? en los grupos de resistencia de estudiantes en Honduras, especialmente en Tegu. Sí. ¿Entendés? Porque yeah. en, en Tegu siempre, you know, we all talk about, you know, siempre hay huelga, siempre hay paros, and stuff like that. Um, but why do most of the people cover their faces because of that? Because of yeah. later persecution. You yeah, you don't know what the consequence is. And as if we tie it down to now, there's a lot of laws that is illegal to protest, especially with the Cedes. Yeah. They just approve it uh, to protest about, to go against the government. So, um, Correct. I was just like, you know, um, and that person could be anybody. And especially now, I know this took place in 1988. And that was in 1988. Just imagine if someone actually doing it, something like that now with all the laws. Yeah against protesting even even scare i mean during the time of los desaparecidos which is when mm -hmm. the story is taking place it was sort of a reign of terror um mm -hmm. and like if you if you let me talk about this i'll talk about this so no, for so ahead. long so <laughs> uh but uh, there were you know the death squads were a very mm -hmm. real thing um you know the government because what's important to keep in mind is that this is all happening at the same time as the cold war mm -hmm. um And so the United States, you know, it's it's funny, but a lot of people don't know that Honduras is the only country um, of Central America and maybe of Latin America that has an American base. I mean, mm -hmm. we're just talking about the airport right now. Mm -hmm. That's how it's yep. being changed from Tegucigalpa to where the American base is. Um, and the reason that's true is because Honduras is the perfect country for it. It's oh, yeah. right in the middle of the continent. Like geographically speaking honduras it, the united states needs honduras it's at yeah. the center of the center it's the mm -hmm. heart of central america meaning that anything that has to go from south america to north america has to go it's through to honduras, honduras. Mm -hmm. has to go through honduras and so uh it was a country that it was very important for the united states to you know keep under its wraps and all these death squads that i keep talking i i mentioned They were kidnapping students off from the streets. Anyone who had any ties to any sort of uh, anti-government organization. Mm -hmm. And they were being trained to torture and kill by American forces. Mm -hmm. uh, by the CIA. And so mm -hmm. I think that, um, yeah, I think that, like, <sighs> that story is a really good, like, yeah, like you said, it's 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 good to think about how, how much more dangerous it can be now. And I think mm -hmm. that, that story is a very good reminder of how the U.S. historically has had us mm -hmm. in its grip. Oh, yeah. And then I, I call Honduras the puppet of the United States. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. Because, and again, I will go back to what you said, you know, like, we're the only country to have a base, <laughs> an American mm -hmm. base. Uh, well, I mean, mm -hmm. in Central America, an American base. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that base is going to be your international airport. New York? Is, yeah. Yeah. And because we have the San Pedro Sula one, um, but now we're going to have the Palmerola. This is something that we were talking with Bessie before recording. And that same base is the training of the Air Force for Honduras yeah. Air Force. Um, I have been to Palmerola so many times because my family, I have family in the Air Force. So like for me, I when I was little, I didn't understand. But then thinking mm -hmm. like, why? If we think about You know, from that story, kind of like, you know, they're everywhere. And Honduras, legit, 
los gringos están en todos lados. You know, like, los gringos um, están en todos lados. Uh, and the government, and they're like, they're like, and this is why most of um, what's it called, Honduras and probably the whole region, we talk about the U.S. imperialism because um, the death squads, the contras, who were, you know, people from Honduras, um, you know, going mm -hmm. to um, Nicaragua, El Salvador, trained by the Americans, Nica. you know, mm -hmm. and all todo eso. Entonces, this story kind of gives you like a very, if you, even if this was in back, you know, in 1988, Um, if you put it in perspective now, you know, I feel like that amount of what was it called? power that the United States has in Honduras is a lot. And I always yeah. tend to say that, you know, yeah, Chiquita, Chiquita Según Se Fue, right? I'm going to put it in mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Honduras. Um, but that's not the only thing that has affect Honduras coming from the U.S., you know what I mean? Um, a lot of Um, funding from the U.S. A lot of, and people can say, yeah. "Oh, is is good for the country." I will argue to you that it's not because that the funding goes to uh, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? Security, security that we don't have. Yeah, Honduras <laughs> is one is a country of Latin America, maybe maybe Central America, but I'm pretty confident mm -hmm. about the Latin America generalization. Mm -hmm. That has the biggest budget for military and security, and yet. It remains one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Mm -hmm. yep. So obviously something isn't connecting, right? It, and like anyone who lives in Teos or has been to Teos recently knows that it is pretty militarized. Uh, the military police is everywhere, everywhere, absolutely everywhere. It's a very mil militarized area, but so it, has, it hasn't made it a safer area. Yeah, it hasn't changed them. I left 10 years ago. I'm going to be 10 years in November. Yo me acuerdo. So you left in 20, so you left in 2011. 2011, yep. Um, mm -hmm. And me acuerdo salir de, en ese entonces vivía en la casa de mi tía, ahí en el lado de en medio, y salir y ver un militar por cada bloque. Mm -hmm. And if I think about when you left, vos te fuiste dos años después del golpe de Estado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say, like, I was very little antes del golpe de Estado, ¿no? Pero I would yeah. say that after the coup, It got pretty, pretty yeah. militarized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I always, mm -hmm. when I talk about Honduras, it's like, I have this in my, in my mind, I have this thing like before and after the coup. Oh yeah, for sure. I also think of the country yeah. that way. Before the coup, after the after coup, the, coup. Yeah. the country was very, very different. Yeah. I mean, were we going to be okay? I don't know. I do know that after the coup, it... <sighs> Every, everything changed for everyone everything and for everyone i'm 100 for everyone for every everything and for, for everyone. everyone it doesn't matter who you are the coup changed everything mm -hmm. yeah like um you know when you're talking right now, now about militarization and all that i thought it would have changed because for me like oh no when i tell people oh yeah like saliendo había uno me entiendes vos conoces la tren medio me entiendes el bloque sí, había sí, uno sí. arriba otro abajo So like, sí. por decirlo la palabra, a fuerzas <laughs> tenés que pasar por un militar. And even with those militares, I remember the story of walking to the taxi y de repente escuchar disparos, agarrar a mi prima, verte al otro lado, mataron a alguien y los militares acá como que le vale. Sí, es que así, así es, pues, like, 
it's exactly what you say. There's there's a military police for every block of the city, and yet like someone's getting shot in every block of the city somehow. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really do something. And you know, if you talk to anyone from back there, they'll tell you that's because they're the military police is there to protect al presidente y al gobierno y a los, y a los narcos y mm-hmm. what whatnot y a los americanos etc. Yeah, and then if we if we just touch a little bit on the part of how much money goes to um, mm-hmm. security, um, people I don't know I don't know the exact amount, but um, mm-hmm. most I I would lo generalizaría porque la verdad mm-hmm. es que casi todos pero most um, police, military, en todas esas cosas de fuerza armada, la mayoría están dentro de lo que es el narcotráfico, lo que ahora llamamos en Honduras un narcoestado. Entonces, a veces, sí, no, when they talk about here in the United States about the war against drugs and all the stuff about uh, Latin America, it's like, well, you're kind of supporting someone who's in the drug world. So, Business, you know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a mí también me da miedo generalizar, claro, porque, mm-hmm. porque no everyone knows, everyone back home knows someone who's going to be like, ay, yo conozco un policía que no, no está pagado. <laughs> yo conozco un policía que no, no está metido en eso. And like, that might very well be true. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter at the end because most are, and those who are not paid off are, mm-hmm. are still like powerless, as powerless as a civilian. Yeah. Um, y al final del día, there's a reason the president was able to get away with oh yeah completely violating the constitution without any sort of repercussion. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the war on drugs is funny because the U.S. is one of the biggest supporters of a of a big drug state that is Honduras. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. It's, I just think that is ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For and sure, the, and the United States is the big, the biggest consumer, also. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, the biggest consumer, and I think the, the US... biggest consumer and supporter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. the last uh, what's it called story that you have as uh, yes. But it's in 1954. It's about um. La protesta es el único que no toma en Honduras, está en San Pedro. Um, bueno, en Alima, pues. Um, mm-hmm. La protesta de la United Fruit Company. And, I mean, like we mentioned before, they said that Chiquita left, you know, but the claro. damages of the United Fruit Company in our country, like, eso nunca se van a ir. Claro. So, like, you see this story of a dad of someone who's like the mom's pregnant don't get up protestar but then my family but then you know that we have to protest because of we need roads we need hospitals like it's someone who needs to give birth in the house and there's like this whole critica porque es lo que pasa and it would tie it down right now with what happened in November a year ago it's about to be uh-huh. a year con los huracanes con los huracanes right todo el norte quedó destruido y esos no han hecho nada solo limpiar el aeropuerto <sighs> I love this story. Um, it's one of the first, I think it's maybe the first story I wrote of the book. Um, I love, yes, I wrote it when I was an undergrad in college. I love this story. And 
Um, you know, there's a picture before that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the one picture in the book. And the man sitting at the center of it. Let me find it. I have my copy here. I get a tango. Yeah. The man sitting at the center of it with the hat uh, behind the buffalo plantel maderero. Maderero. Maderero, sorry. That's my great-grandfather. Okay. Um, His name is Isaiah Barona, which is the name of the man in the story. Yeah. And his wife, my great-grandmother, who Mm -hmm. lives with me right now in Tegucigalpa, is Eva. That's the name of the mom in the story. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this is very fictionalized, but it is the story of my great-grandparents in the sense that, like, my great-grandfather worked for the United Fruit Company, and then he protested. He led the protest against the United Fruit Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they lived through all the flood stuff, and that's what led for them to leave and go to Tegucigalpa. Mm-hmm. My grandmother is the first person of my family who's born in Tegucigalpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family was localized in the north, but they moved because of the United Fruit Company to Teus. To Um Yeah. And I think that that the point you bring up is so good. Like, yeah, the parallels between the story and what's what happened just a year ago are very clear. Um, Just one year ago, La Lima was completely underwater, completely Mm -hmm. underwater, because nothing has been done to address the infrastructure problems that keep it that way, that whenever there's any rain, whenever there's a hurricane, the city immediately, you know, immediately drowns mm-hmm. and people keep losing over and over all of their things, all of all of their houses. It's devastating. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, like I I didn't know I was your grandpa. Oh, great. Yeah. Great but grandpa. I, yeah. But I did have a feeling that was someone that was related to the second story. <laughs> I do that. I do that. I do that. I the second story, the mom says something about her father in the, Lima. In La Lima. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I, I tried a- like it was a small hint to try to connect the stories. It's sort of like a nod towards that movement from the north to Teus, because that's what happened in my family. We moved from the north to Teus and it was based on the persecution of the United Fruit Company. Yeah. You know, and then um that's why remember I asked you, like, I was wondering what did the grandparent did, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I was wondering yeah. what the person did. And then kind of, like, it gave me a sentiment that it was about the fruit company. Um, after yeah. I read the second, the, the, not the second story. I'm so, you story. got everything. You got every little secret. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> okay, so, because I was reading in the night, and I was like, oh, damn, I, I'm the type of person that takes, like, notes in little books. I was like, nice. <laughs> um, I'm so but cool. yeah is um i just felt like you know that's the only story that in the introduction there's a picture there yeah so it's a special I story is a very special story and you you kind of feel the frustration and kind of like and all the stuff and like the huelga because like mm-hmm. i don't know like it's just i mean the storytelling the writing is really really good um, but it's one <laughs> of those that it, it makes you again not only the, this story but throughout the story it's like it makes you mm-hmm. feel that you're in the moment of like que pasa si se llena de agua o que cuando se llena de agua que no hay hospital que tiene que dar parir y que no está que hay que tengo que jacarlo you know like it's all this thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that is how it is for sure mm-hmm. yeah and then if we put it in perspective you know este es el, el norte and then that story not only gives you the, you know, sorry, now that I know that your grand, great grandpa, 
about like, mm -hmm. you know, la, la protesta, pero al mismo tiempo una crítica a la infraestructura que de Honduras que de verdad no sirve en completamente no sirve. todo el país. No sirve. I mean, um, I think that I'm really glad that you brought up the hurricanes because um, cuando pasó eso en noviembre, when, when you know, Honduras was hit by two hurricanes in less than three weeks, mm -hmm. uh, that's when people started saying, that's not the first time people started saying that, but that's when it became very popular, that saying that I have at the beginning of the book, solo el pueblo salva el pueblo. Mm -hmm. um, and that oh. was because people had to go mm -hmm. on their boats, on, en sus lanchas, yeah. en sus motos de agua to pick up people who, you know, were on the roof, on the roof of their house mm -hmm. that was completely submerged underwater. And there was no government response. There was no military response or not, not one that mattered, not one that was immediate or addressed mm -hmm. the magnitude of what was going on. And so people had to take it into themselves to save each other. People had to be the ones who like move the mud to find the bodies mm -hmm. that had been like buried under landslides. And that's when I saw a lot on social media, people saying, solo el pueblo salva el pueblo, solo el pueblo salva el pueblo. And mm -hmm. I think this book for me is at its core about that. Solo el yep. pueblo salva el pueblo. Only the people will save the people. The people. Yep, yeah. definitely. And I think that uh, uh, even yeah. if we tied it down to the episodes that we had before about COVID, mm -hmm. it was the yes. same thing. It was the same sentiment that like mm -hmm. legit, only the people will save the people because the government response um, in this case of the hurricanes was not there. Yeah. It's not there. Exactly. They, honestly, though, though, it will be like they did not care. And mm -hmm. um, even cuando llegaron, oh my God, espérate. Yo me enojé cuando llegaron las donaciones. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And they said that, ¿cuáles las donaciones que llegan al aeropuerto de Tegucigalpa? ¿Ellos los iban a destruir el gobierno? No, se los iban a robar. Pues sí. Mm -hmm. It's, it was like yeah. a whole thing. And even here in LA, like, there was this... Um, restaurant which is like um under restaurant Honduras kitchen and they were trying to point up with the with the consulado para llevar todas las donaciones eran grandes donaciones de cinco uh -huh. restaurantes ellos llenaron pero aquel montón de cosas when they told them that they wouldn't have control of the donations over there ellos dijeron nosotros vamos a pagar el, el envío because ¿Sí? because that's how you know we don't trust the exactly. government I, to donation and no. then they came out with like there's like kids to donate that costaban que 50 mil empiras una like it was so ridiculous of stuff so like all those yeah. little things like add up to like they don't care when things like this happen and um when hurricane happened when un desastre pasó hace años con el pasó con Iota y Eta y Eta uh -huh. and mm -hmm. then it will continue happening because they protect, ellos no más la limpia and they don't fix it, you know? And when Exacto. we need it, they're not there. We had Nunca. El Salvador mandar cosas en de nuestro propio gobierno. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's, yeah, it was it was a shitty government response and it's always going to be a shitty government response and it sucks mm -hmm. that we can't trust them to deliver donations. I that was the case of so many organizations and so many people mm -hmm. that live in the U.S. and like rounded up things. They were like, yeah, like if I send them through the through the consulate, there's no way to guarantee these things will reach the people it needs to reach. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and that's not, you know, to underestimate, like, you know, the work that El Consulado puso aquí en Honduras, porque la Consul puso mm-hmm. bastante ayuda, pero es que no es tanto El Consulado aquí, es cuando se claro, llega. Claro, no, es, el problema es allá, claro. Mm-hmm. El problema es allá, sí. and like, that happened mm-hmm. with a lot of people who, like, you know, was able to, like, recollect a lot of stuff, like, necessities, and yeah. when, once they got there, you know, like, se fueron por sí. a saber dónde. But, um, a saber dónde. <laughs> until this mm-hmm. day. And even didn't, um, a lot of things happen with the stuff that um, El Salvador. And, and this is something, you know, we as Honduran were very thankful of um, Bukele for doing that because nuestro presidente no hizo nada. Um, claro. But the whole, bueno, según, I'm going to put a según, um, don't, don't comment mm-hmm. this, but there was a lot of, of those donations who se arruinaron por el mal manejamiento también del gobierno. Sí, cierto. Porque los pusieron sí, en una sí. bodega con agua. Así es. And like, I, like, you know, I'm so hesitant to say anything about, mm-hmm. like, of course, that was really great of him, of yeah. Bukele. I also, like, oh, yeah. I don't think he's a good guy. Oh, um, yeah. I was about to say that, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm here saying thank you, but mm-hmm. um, that doesn't make but him. Also, yeah, 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 of course. But yeah, I mean, what matters, mm-hmm. what, what, what this is centering about is, like, the government let those donations be spoiled instead of mm-hmm. giving them to the people they needed to go to. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, um, just, you know, that kind of, just to summarize it, how this book, even it was written and passed, you know, in the past, mm-hmm. only one story, I think, is one more, clear, more mm-hmm. like, cerca. In 2019, um, too. It can still relate to 2020, 2021. <laughs> uh, to yeah, those stories. And, <laughs> and I, I thought about that when I named the book. I knew that I wanted to deal with water, the title of the book, because um, I think that water is so important in Honduras in so many mm-hmm. ways. Um, but I also thought a lot about the word revolution, which like we think about it as you know protests and so on. But I also think like a revolution, una revolución es un círculo, right? Mm-hmm. Like one revolution es una, es una vuelta, es un, un círculo. And a lot of Honduran history has been just that. A lot of revolutions, a lot of circular, circularity to history, things repeating themselves. You know, La Lima yeah. in this story is La Lima in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. The burn of the embassy. In- <laughs> then happens again. Yeah, it all it all comes back. It all comes back, exactly. And I think that is really good. Um, when I saw the title... Um, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. I'll be honest with mm-hmm. you. Because I was like, okay, run revolutions. I know there have a lot of revolutions in Honduras, but um, I'm not going to say that no, no nos llevan a un lugar, pero es que en Honduras claro. pasa todo que we don't see sí. an actual change. Sí. A, that's, that's the truth. There's, you know, there's always something. There's always something. Um, mm-hmm. And we can name it from infrastructure, like class division, from the education, from migration, from poverty, from climate change, and like todo lo que pasa allá. So, like all those revolutions, um, I mean, this only ties up in like three stories, but I think that is yeah. a really good way to kind of like introduction of what the country has been suffering for so many years. And that to yeah. think about how now in the present it's like it still continues and even those governments who were before they're very that mentality is very present now um kind of like they don't mm-hmm. give it down um yeah but i just want to say like this book 
It's really, really good. And the image. Thank you. La, la banana, me imagino que la banana es podrida. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Sí, sí, sí. Uh-huh. Because nos llamaban Banana Republic um, for a reason, right? Yeah, la portada, actually, the cover um, was designed by one of my best friends. Really? Her name is Andrea, Andrea Aranda. You can, like, her name, she's named inside the book. Cover art by Andrea Aranda. Um, she's a friend that I've known for over over 15 years. Um, and I just told her what I wanted. I was like, I think, like, bananas, you know, are very uh, symbolic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, no, yeah, I also think of the banana as rotten and, and bleeding mm-hmm. and hurt. Yeah. Definitely. And that's the map of Central America down there, the little shadow. Yep. Yeah, I see. Yep. <laughs> it looks like, you know, como parte de la banana, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but definitely, um, you know, I want you to have, you know, a space to share a little bit for our listeners. Yeah. Um, to I'm going to read the bit. beginning okay. of a second story. Okay, for the readers who, you know... Um, are interested haven't decided to buy the book <laughs> yeah exactly for the listeners who haven't decided to buy the book because i would recommend it 100 um not only because i'm enduring but because i think that if you want to learn a little bit more about the history and that side of more like revolution and a more you know what i said you know uh when you write stories that are based on real but like stories historical fiction yeah yeah that's what i want to mm-hmm. say <laughs> you know like see, in see, a more see. fiction way um i think this is a very good introduction and i um and also check out more of the work of bessie yeah. i swear girl <laughs> i was living for <laughs> thank that you book. but go that's ahead that's so sweet okay uh this is the second story in the book it's called by this time tomorrow Two countries in the world have burned their American embassy. Tegucigalpa, Honduras, Abril 1988. <clears throat> you can't burn the American embassy if you plan it too much or too little. Too much, where it gets out. Those gringos have ears everywhere. Too little, they fuck you up or you fuck it up. Mom is in the kitchen listening to her tiny old radio when we get home. She's spraying along with a famous local father, but turns down the volume when she sees us. I was beginning to get worried, muchachos, she says. What have I told you? Try to call ahead if you're going to be after 10. Por favor, ¿qué les cuesta? I get so nervous. No entiendo que... Roberto cuts her off with a hug, and she rests her head on his chest. Perdón, jefa, we lost track of time, but we're here. He kisses her forehead, and she melts into him. This is how they've always been with each other. Diana is staying the night, I say. Sí, sí, of course. Dianita is always welcome. ¿Cómo has estado, mijita? How's your mom? Bien, bien, Doña Maria. Thank you for letting me stay, Diana says, leaning in to let my mom kiss her cheek. Mom begins to in- her interrogation on where we've been and how it went. Late study group for Diana and me, long shift for Roberto at La Bola de Oro, the textile shops where he works after classes. We say nothing about the Frente Estudiantil Hondureño meeting where we were actually at, or the embassy, or tomorrow. Our mother is a strong woman, moved to Tegucigalpa from La Lima Young, left her parents a younger sister behind. She raised Roberto and me all by herself, working any odd job she could find. She's a tough woman, the kind with closed feet and vein maps tattooed on her legs to show it. But she can't stand any talk about protesting or revolutions. I was listening to that program you all like earlier, 
the one in which they let anyone call in without even verifying if the things they say are true. One of you must have left that station on. Ustedes saben que I don't like it. But I heard this woman call in, talk about how they found the body parts of her son spread all over the carretera that goes to Santa Lucia. A torso, a head. He had been missing for a week. She says they dyed his hair blonde so she wouldn't recognize his corpse. They had to use his teeth to identify. Tan horrible, she says, crossing herself. Dio bendito. This is why I don't like you out late or hanging out with those student fronts. I heard about that too, Roberto says. He's putting away dishes, drying them first with a rag made out of an old school uniform shirt. But that's why the student fronts are important, mommy. They push against the military state and the death squad, against American control of the country, against the literal kidnapping of our citizens. If we don't stand, ja, ja, ja. Let's not start with that, Roberto Miguel. Let someone else stand. I don't want to have to collect your body parts. No mother should have to do. All this revolution talks and things stay the same in this country. Different people. El mismo cuento. Lo sabré yo with my father in Alima and his protest. What it costs us. I'm going to stop there. Uh, yeah. That's the beginning of the, <laughs> yeah. of the second story. Again, I want to say, you know, congratulations on your book. It's really Thank you so girl. much, Ale. You know, um, I appreciate this type of writing coming from an Honduras to an Honduran. Um, I appreciate you coming from those stories to, you know, talk about the issues and all the things that happens in the claro. country. And of course, hope for a better future. Um, hope that one day we can see that. Hope that we, one is. day we can say that the change is starting to come. Um, but for right now, I want you to share where people can get the book. I know there's a bunch yeah. of places, but go for it. <laughs> Yeah, so the book is out with Long Day Press. Uh, that's my press. So you can go to Long, like Long Day, Dia Largo, Long Day Press. Um, uh, that's th that's the publisher. So you can get it from their website, and also you can get it on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble's website, and on the Target website now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like right there at Target. Don't look at Target. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, all over. Yeah, before uh, we finish and we wrap up, um, this is a question that I told you before I was going to ask you. Uh, and for those who might be interested in um, buying the book and want and kind of wondering, um, are you thinking of having it in Spanish in the future? Or how's right. the Right, uh, you did tell me that. <laughs> um, Hopefully one day, uh, mm -hmm. that is a dream, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's possible right now. And it, for the reasons we were talking about earlier, that uh, there is a safety in writing in English versus Spanish. There is a safety about the book not being completely accessible. And it sucks because the book, mm -hmm. <sighs> you know, you got all the little secrets in the book. You got everything. And that's because the book is for you. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, my dream is that this book is for people from Honduras that you know relate to everything that's going on and are familiar with the story but if the book is in Spanish that means that uh, there's an unsafety attached mm -hmm. to it of course yeah. political unsafety because yeah. the book names the president the current president by name and it names a lot of like the American imperialistic relations with the country and it names a mm -hmm. lot of other stuff other bad stuff mm -hmm. that uh by the book being in english and being published in the united states it makes me feel safe to call those things out yeah 
Definitely. Yeah. I think I just want to add to everyone that um, it was a question that I did ask Bessie before, and then I completely understand um, mm -hmm. for the safety. And this is something that is sad to say, but mm -hmm. sometimes that we need to think when putting work out there uh, by saying something or anything, we need to think about our families that are currently in the like in the country. Um, in the case, right. of, you know, Bessie has family over there, um, and everyone who has a book who calls out the government, sadly, in Central America and then specifically right here in Honduras. It's a danger. And um, for those, you know, I will um, <laughs> English is really, really good. Um, but yeah, you know, hope for that one day in the future there's a change and that authors like no like you, but others that have written and, and criticado al gobierno. Y aunque sea así, ¿me entiendes? O sea, que no se vea tan marcado, but it's still a critic. Le llamas el, el nombre del presidente. One day we can have those books in Honduras because, like you said at the beginning, the stories were the stories that we never learned in the schools. So I'm hoping for yes. one day that those stories are the actual stories that kids and, like, young people can learn and see the reality of our country and that actual what happened in the years before. Así es. Dios, Dios, Dios te escuche. <laughs> Gracias. <laughs> Pero, um, again, Bessie, muchísimo, de verdad, vos sabes que adoro que vengas aquí al programa. Thank you. And thank I you love so being much. here. <laughs> But thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. I really, I, I love, I love this podcast and I love being here. No, thank you. And again, I will just tell you, thank you for all the work that you do for Honduras. Um, obviamente, siempre siguiendo tu trabajo y espero verte. Solo el pueblo salvo el pueblo. Amen. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can donate through the link in our notes or become a patron. Visit our website, centralamericanvoices.com for more information. And don't forget to follow us in all our social media formats for more content. And I'll talk to you in our next episode.